0: Take it with the programming. I'm Chase Ingram. I'm Captain America. And along with me is Bill Grundler. We're free. And we're going to talk about why you sucked. You suck. In the 2023 <laughs> It Games Open. Before everybody freaks out. You suck. Yeah. You should have never. <laughs> it was a trap. You should have never. <laughs> that was a trap. It was a it was tra- trap. It trapped a trap the entire time. We are going to do what your coach should have been doing for you leading up to the Open, during the Open, and hopefully after the Open. Because as we have always said, the Open is a test. The Open is for you to know full on where your fitness level is and all the things that maybe you should have worked on or could have done more at or need to still work on to be successful. So we're a little tongue in cheek with why you sucked in the CrossFit Open, but for fun's sake, keep things a little light-hearted. As I think Halpin commented on our post is like it's just going to be a roast,
1: right? (laughs) For all of us,
0: all of us, none of us walked out of the open unscathed.
1: I have a question before you even get going. Ooh, yes. About about the test. Mm. We say all the time that it's a test to see how your fitness compares like to last year Mm -hmm. or in past years. And, you know, a lot of people come into the open thinking, okay, my goal is that I want to place higher than last year. Do you think that that is a valid definition of this test that we're trying to do every single year? I mean, I guess generally speaking, it's like, oh, am I better at whatever. Do you think it's a, are you better in fitness, your overall fitness, or at specific things that are specifically tested?
0: I think that is a great question. You're welcome. And my answer is, if I were to say, yeah, if I were to say how you judge yourself in the open, do I improve on the leaderboard every year? Should that be your only judgment of success? Absolutely, unequivocally, no. Right. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's uh, realistic. For one It's not the same group of people tested every year. We usually churn about seventy-five to 100,000 new people every year. The same number usually churns out, so it's not the same people taking the test every year. On top of the same test not being programmed the same time every year, one thing that I'll say to doing a repeat, even though it's only three weeks long, is that that's the first time you get an accurate representation of if your fitness has or hasn't improved. I don't think... Your placement on the leaderboard dictates whether you got better or worse or more fit or less fit. I think it's the lessons you learn each and every week that can determine your personal success or um, room to grow as far as your training goes after the Open. What about you?
1: Yeah, I no, I agree. I, I think that you know everyone gets hung up on the number this year compared to last year, which really doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean... It, you don't always have the same number of people in the field. You don't have the same number of uh, the different levels of athletes in each in each one of those kind of, you know, bunches in those cohort and those cohorts. Um, and even even as far as the repeats, I. Scientifically speaking, I know that we use observable, measurable, repeatable as our moniker to, to determine whether our fitness is improving when we compare from one, you know, one thing to the next thing um, or our level of fitness over a certain amount of time. The, the problem with that is that there's a lot of things that happen from when we did this workout before as opposed to when we did it now. Sleep might be different. Jobs might be different. Relationship status might be different. Your stress level might be different. Those things will all affect your overall result of that particular workout. So it's hard to make it a pure comparison. Um, so what I like to do for with people is, okay, what did you not not did you get a better time necessarily, but did you do better in movements that you really sucked at before? Are double unders are pain in the ass? Mm-hmm. Did you do double unders better in this one? Um, on muscle ups? How did you do muscle ups this time? Were you able to get some when it was before you got none? Those kind of things. So it's not looking at the big grandiose win necessarily of I went, uh, I did better and I'm I'm better or I didn't do better and now I'm worse um, or but rather, what did you do better at? What things in that test did I excel at? Because if you like on the first test with the was it five different movements. Yep. It's five things. Mm-hmm. So you had five mini tests in there to determine if you've improved, not just your overall score necessarily, but where in there did you do best? So I think there's a lot of ways to look at it. And if we're in this for the long haul, for the majority of us, we aren't the professional athletes that are out there, you know, trying to be in the top 40 men, top 40 women, getting to the game sort of thing. This is a long journey. This is a marathon. So are you getting better at all of those things? I think those are what things that people need to be thinking about, uh, as I go from one open to the other open, which cracks me up because on Monday you should have seen all the people staying after class.
0: Ooh, Work on double unders.
1: I need to work on muscle ah
0: level. yes so
1: it yes. Life, right? It's like January first after the you know after the new year, everyone comes into the gym and everyone's eating great. But what happens after two weeks? That's what I want to see.
0: <laughs> that is a very good. <laughs> that is a very good uh, analogy to what the open is. Yes, it's the new year. You got exposed, or we had some resolutions and. You know, all those other things, and when we talk about placement on the leaderboard not being a bearing of whether you got better or worse, yes, it does give you an idea of where you are against the field you're currently playing against, but keep in mind, there are certain things that the programming dictates your place on the leaderboard. Yes. We're going to get to it, but 23.2B, when you isolate a one or max thruster, guess what? If you are not above average strong, you are going to plummet down the leaderboard. And you could have PR'd your thruster. All of you could have PR'd your thruster and placed worse on the leaderboard. So that's the example we're making is that your placement on the leaderboard is not an indication if you got fitter at all. Right. Unless it's the same test that we've done. So before we get to why you sucked at the 2023 CrossFit Open, we had our OG in the Open leaderboard running for the last three weeks. We're going to pull that up. Now we're going to wait till all scores get final because nothing's finalized yet until tonight. That is the last time, 5 p.m. your time, 7 p.m. my time is when we can finalize the the leaderboard, basically. Um, all scores are due to be validated by that time. But as it stands now, if we're just looking at it, our top three on the men, now you'll look at the scoring and it's a little odd because last time we had these up, the leaderboard should be scored against itself. Right now, it's taking your worldwide rank uh, as that. But as it stands right now, for the men, we have Benjamin Bianco out of North America East, out of at 3-2-1. He's sitting in the top position right now. Kyle Schmidt. Now, maybe these points on the side rank. That might be it. Um, Kyle Schmidt in second out of Freedom Point CrossFit, and Logan Southard in third, out of CrossFit Carrollton. Those are your top three so far on the men. Again, nothing is official just yet. On the women's side, your top female, we have Mariana Bell out of Blackfin CrossFit, in second place out of Norway, Ida Carlson, which is awesome, and then third place, yeah, Michaela Garden out of North America East. So those are your unofficial top three as it stands. Now, I guess nothing will be official until later tonight and later this week once it basically goes through and scrubs the leaderboard of all weird numbers and stats and things like that. So once we have everything finalized, we'll make the official announcement of who our top three on the OG leaderboard is. You're going to get a custom fittest OG, one, two, and three. Uh, t-shirt from us, from the OG culture. Uh, Ken at SherpaWorks put up a great thing together uh, for that, so I thought it was really cool. But what we are going to do is a little combination of analyzing the programming of the CrossFit Games Open this year, as well as giving feedback, understanding, and I would say homework for the next 365 days, till next year's hockey tryouts, of what <laughs> lessons you should learn over the course of OBA. Now, throughout this process, we will also talk about the program itself and what we thought about it and where we think improvements can be made or questions that we have and things that still need to be answered going forward. So this will be an all-encompassing analyzing for both the athlete and the programming as we work through this. So, Bill, we'll start with 23.1. Now, outside of, say, the thoughts of a repeat happening. Let's just talk about the test itself. 14-minute AMRAP, repeat from 14.4, 60-calorie row, 50 toes-to-bar, 40 wall-ball shots, 30 cleans at 135 and 95, 20 ring muscle-ups. Now, this is a repeat test, and this is our opportunity for those that took the test in 2014 to see if we have improved. And when you look at this at first, we look at the row. Okay. The row is the row for everybody. You get through it at 60 cals. Everybody gets to do it. The first step when we say, why you sucked at the 2023 open starts here at the toes to bar. And it can be the range of, I don't have any. So I would need to get my first one. I don't have the capacity for high volume. And that could be fatigue, strength, stamina, or I, maybe I planned or, or had a wrong game plan, even though I have the skill set. So when you look at the 50 toes to bar, give an assessment for where someone maybe got hung up early on when it comes to toes to bar, and what things they could work on this next season.
1: I think the easiest way to find out where you need to work for the next season is that if I look at this particular workout and there is a there's something that's glaring red staring me back in the face. If I've never gotten a muscle up and I know I'm not going to get there, probably not gonna see that. But of the other movements that we that the majority of people can do, what's the one that's freaking you out? Because if that one and you know, Dave Castro said this a long time ago. If you're worried about any event, any piece coming up. That's what you need to be working on. So, if you look at this and you're like, oh shit, toes to bar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then the weight, then you have to think about what is it that is holding you up about that. When you're in the gym, I think that that's, you know, there's a lot of gyms that don't necessarily program muscle ups, but majority of gyms, I would say, will program toes to bar. How are you doing those toes to bar? Have you done the exact same scale every single day you've come into the gym and so you've gotten really good at that scale? Or have you modified that scale to where you can try to improve your movement as you're doing it? Maybe, you know, some people they come to the workout, they come to the gym, they want to get their workout in fine. But if you're just checking off the box to get your workout in, you aren't working on any of the things that you are trying to improve on. So for me, what I would tell people on toes to bar, if they lack on toes to bar, normally what it ends up being is they don't have any sort of capacity with the toes to bar um, based on either their kipping swing. So they need to work on their swing, um, not just like a, a knee raise, but working on that kipping swing back and forth, because that's where you have to generate your power to slowly get your legs to come up at, uh, you know, hips above the, uh, mm-hmm. knees above the hip crease, then knees up uh, above that, or knees to chest, then knees to elbow, then slowly work your feet up to where they're getting closer to the bar and to where you can hit that. So I would work afterwards. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of EMOMs when it comes to building capacity of movements at whatever level we're talking about. Maybe you don't have a toe to bar yet cause you don't have any sort of kip. So I would do a EMOM of. On the first minute you do so many kips back and forth so you get that swing. The next minute you're doing knee raises as high as you can get them and you go back and forth for 10 minutes. Um, just a little something extra every day because again, you're looking at like a 1% increase every time rather than getting it all in one day. And so that's the kind of things that I would look at.
0: Yeah, and that's the that's the progression we're trying to teach you guys is that you learned whether it was I don't have these yet and I thought I did. Okay, what steps can you take over the next year to get that toes to bar, get that elusive toes to bar. Because again, team, this is a test. You signed up for the Open. The Open is a competition. Everyone has the option to participate. It is not a participatory event, meaning we're handing out trophies to everyone. CrossFit is not, and never will, and never has been, a participatory butt pat, everybody gets a trophy. You have to earn the right to do certain things. And when you sign up for a competition, this becomes a test, not a workout. And where people get confused, and again, we, 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 I, well, you know, I'll let you speak for yourself, Bill. I blame this on the coaches not having the way, the understanding to articulate this to the athlete. We are not here, and, and Bosman, actually, if you guys want to learn more about the details of the Open, uh Boz and Pat Sherwood on their Very Not Random podcast just released a podcast on The Open itself and the programming. So if you want to listen to that, you get a better idea of where Boss is coming from with the programming. And I listened to it, and so I'll speak to some of that while we're talking, is that The Open is not to progress your fitness. Mm -mm. And what we mean by that is you train three to five times a week in your affiliate, working on nutrition the best you can all year long every year to progress your fitness and as well as health for the years of your life. That's CrossFit. It's a basic strength and conditioning program to improve your health health and fitness. That is it. That's what CrossFit is. The CrossFit Games Open is to test your fitness and figure out where you're at physically for you. And so if you get stopped at the toes to bar, You've got to figure out with your coach of why this happened. Maybe you don't have them yet. Okay, why? Well, I don't work on him. Okay. I'm not strong enough. Okay. I have 20 pounds to lose. Okay. All of the above. Okay. Now you know what you need to work on. You just figured out, you got slapped in the face with reality, which is the beauty of being tested. Also, it's the hardest part about being tested. I empathize with the what some would consider... And you shouldn't, by the way, embarrassment of being exposed like this. But the fact that you signed up and did that, I applaud you. Just don't get frustrated. That's the cool part. This is a test to see where you're at. This is not everybody gets to play the entire game. If you played a sport and you rode the bench, the reality is you needed to get better to start in the starting lineup. I know because I still got pine needles in my ass from high school and middle school from all the bench riding I did because <laughs> I needed to get better at the sport I was playing. And this is no different, all right? So that's one example of toes to bar. Another reason maybe you sucked is we look at the wall ball shots. Now, for the majority of the elites, this is no problem. This is all but a, uh, a blip on the radar. But for those that have maybe a, would you say this is a work capacity, deficiency if this is a difficult part of this
1: uh it could be or it could be a strength piece like an explosive piece i mean classically the shorter the the athlete the more difficult it is because they actually need to have a more explosive hip opening to jump the ball up and what i think is the the issue is that again at uh, during their normal training sessions They're not trying to get the ball up to the top. They're Mm -hmm. not trying to get to that mark. They aren't trying to use a heavier ball. They're just trying to get a workout, so it ends up being kind of a sloppy squat and a ball that's not very high. Um, Again, if you want to get the workout, fine, do that sometimes. But if you want to get better at them, you have to take either some of those days and say, all right, maybe I'll decrease the number of of reps I'm going to do on the wall balls in this particular workout, not in the test here, but in like your daily workout. But I'm aiming for that higher mark or I'm going for the actual nine foot mark, if that's what I'm shooting for, if that's what we're going for. Um, you have to, we've seen what the test looks like. So if you're planning on doing it, you can't expect that now they're going to actually make a 14 pound ball or a 10 pound ball to a eight foot mark because they've never had that. Right. So go with what they've had and be like, okay, if I want to get better, I need to include these in here somewhere. Maybe every other round, if you're doing rounds of whatever, you do it your way in the first round. You do the CrossFit open way in the second round. You alternate back and forth. But you have to include what that something that resembles the test to get better at that. If you stay the, Again, if you stay the same way, you're only going to get good at that, not mm-hmm. good at trying to pass the test. And then you're not going to have the skill when
0: you need it. I love it. And, and yeah, it's like, okay, we need to get our legs stronger. Okay, get in yeah. the squat rack. We need to, I don't know, don't skip med ball day or wall ball shot day because some people do that they dodge this thing like the play it's like oh i hate them they suck so bad i never do them like
1: honestly (laughs) okay and and to that point to that point if there is a day where you're like i fucking hate this workout Mm -hmm. those are definitely the ones you need to go to because you hate it because you're not good at it amen So go to it because you will never get better at it and it will come up in the open and you'll be like, this game is stupid. Well, it's stupid because you never tried to get better at it.
0: What I love to say at this time too, is as we get towards this, is that everything you hated about this should outweigh wanting to never go through it again. Yeah. Right? It's like, if this made you so upset, it's like, oh, I don't have toes to bar, so I didn't get anywhere. I was like, good Take that feeling, that lesson, and the time with which you have it programmed at your gym. Figure out with your coach the best way to modify it to get you towards a toes to bar, not constantly stay in your state of scaled movement. Stop doing MAT sit ups and start hanging from a pull up bar. Or yes. stop doing just kip swings and start doing knees to chest. Or stay after and start working. Like go to your coach. go to your your coach and ask them for help that is their job the opens job is to test you your coach's job is to teach you
1: and here and here's what you should be asking for from your coach a lot of times coaches teachers will pull out their one page itinerary of here's the workout and here's what you tell everybody as they're doing it But a lot of times, if you want to improve, you need, hey, coach, I need three different versions of this so I can do all three of them. And those different modifications should all be pushing you towards completing that goal. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a decreased dead handstand push-up because you have ab mats, then you have full range of motion or on a plate, if you have your feet on, on the knee or you have uh, your, your toes on the box or knees on the box, so you're getting full range of motion, or you're doing a heavier push press for that to build the strength. Have them tell you, have them give you ideas so you don't get in a rut of the exact same scale every single day. We can do bar muscle-ups, rope climbs, ring muscle-ups, chest-to-bar pull-ups and pull-ups. And I'll have some people, for whatever reason, and I always give them at least five different scales and modifications. Mm -hmm. They will do the same set of pull-ups with the same band, the same way, or the same ring rows every single time. And the only thing they will get better at is that one piece. That's yeah, it.
0: That scale. Yes. Right? Not the pull-up. You're going to get really good at ring rows. Yes. But you need to hang from a pull-up bar to learn how to do the kip swing.
1: I love it. And if they don't if you're doing ring rows and they don't tell you to move your feet to get more of an angle, then come on, then there then your coach is not doing their job. Mm-hmm. That's what they should be doing. That's their job is to coach you and teach you. Not just clap their hands and say, "Great job today,
0: everybody." Or to come over there and be like, "Oh, this is the bullshit workout uh i didn't get a workout in in 14 minutes i just stared at the pull-up bar and if they come to you he's like yeah fuck this thing i'm like no that's bullshit right your coach is doing you no favors let me break this to you everybody you everyone listening including myself including bill and if my mom was listening you don't deserve anything Nope. none of you you don't deserve shit you have to earn everything that happens here Right? No one deserves anything. And that's great. Fitness is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter how short you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make, how old you are, what car you drive, what house you live in. If you can't do a toes to bar, it doesn't fucking matter. It's the great equalizer. Right? And to be able to be on that journey of self improvement, that's the cool part. All right. Okay. So, Wawa yeah. Shots, we moved to Cleans. 135 and 95, by the time you get here, you're pretty smoked. Like everyone's like, oh, I got to rip off a set of 10, and it turns into two, and then you drop the bar and look at it for 30 seconds, wondering what the F just happened to you. But if this, for example, if you're on the spectrum of this weight was a weight you had to squat clean or was above your one rep max, fine. If you got here, if you did the row, the toes bar, and the wall ball shots, you know what we know? That your work capacity is pretty good. Your gymnastics volume and stamina is pretty good. You got through the wall ball shots; it was only 40, and you got to a barbell that it slammed the door in your face. Then you need to know that you just got to get stronger, or maybe you pace this out a little too quickly, right? Or your technique is not dialed in, which we'll get to towards 23.3. But if you can't do this barbell, that just means you either it's just a little outside your reach as far as strength. Or your conditioning and stamina needs to improve when it comes maybe to barbell cycling. And how do you keep your form under fatigue? Or how do you build your strength under fatigue? How do you build that stamina with a barbell, right? There's a lot of things and lessons you can learn. And all this is doing, Bill, and I think this is the cool part, is it opens up so many more doors for training. Oh, man, tons. It's not just, hey, get under a barbell. Work on your front squat. Try clean pulls. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, we could do, uh, like, interval work of getting to a bar. You can do E2. Like, Mayhem does this shit all. Like, this is a, a staple of is He's like, every two minutes for five sets, like, two power cleans and increase weight each set. Something yeah. like that. Or, or you turn yeah. it into more an aerobic test where it's now it's 10 touch and go. And each set you try to increase weight. Like, we're just making shit up. Like, there's so much more involved here than just a power clean.
1: Yeah, and even even the capacity step. I think a lot of people, everyone just assumed, okay, if I go singles, that's going to be the best choice. That's a that's a great choice for a lot of people. It may not be the best choice for you, depending on how you train. But the thing is, I don't think most people know that. I think an easy way, if this is a weight you could do, then one of the ways you should you should know it how many can you go unbroken? Unbroken touch and go. Because you can't set up a you can't set up a plan unless you know where your limits are. Mm-hmm. So if you know you can do thirty unbroken even when you're fatigued, okay. Now we know what we can do. We can play with that number. If you're like, "Wow, I've never cleaned 135 pounds before," all right, then your like idea of like fast singles is a, is not what we're talking about here. We're like talking about how are we gonna how are you gonna get your first 135 mm-hmm. clean. So, but you have to know what those numbers are, and you have to know what the ability of that weight is. Can you do, just like you were talking about, I, I love, I love EMOM stuff for capacity, for barbell cycling, for oh, whatever. I love EMOMs. You know, do, do, can you hold, how many minutes can you hold 10 cleans every minute on the minute? How long can you do that for? How long do you, you know, what about, what about five? What about, what about five every 30 seconds? What mm-hmm. about three every 15 seconds? You know, any, like there's so many ways to play so that you understand how your body works with that weight. And what you need, to, you need to do specifically, not what everybody needs to do, because there's no such thing. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. But what do you need to do? I we had a lot of people that went singles. I went threes on this one. Okay. That felt good for me. Um, I had a girl that I made do sets of five. And, she, and the reason I had her do sets of five was because her tendency, if, if she if there was too much stopping, she would get lost in her head. She'd start floating around. So I had to have her do a chunk and then I could count her time on what her rest would be and then push her back into the bar again. But you don't know that. Like she's like, I can't I can't do it. And then she pick up the bar and do five. I just like, I can't do any more of these. And she pick up the bar and do five. <laughs> I'm like you just don't know that you can. But that's 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 the thing. You have to play with these things during the year to know where you are. And then mm-hmm. from that, you know, gain, you know, set up your game plan from there. And th- then, you know, then, then you come up with 30, 30 cleans. I know exactly how I can handle that. Yes, yes,
0: uh, and then the final piece—the twenty ring muscle ups—which everyone who can't do ring muscle ups got butt about that. How dare they program something in the open that I can't do because the open is about me? <laughs> or they bitch about the ability to do ring muscle ups when they can't even get there in the first place. It's laughable. <sighs> yeah, it's absolutely laughable. And here's the thing: maybe you get there. Maybe you get there and you stare at the rings for three minutes. Okay, well, how did you get through all of that work that fast, that wildly fast and you don't have a ring muscle up? Then let's look at the reason why. It's not a negative. Why never work on them? Okay, right. right? My pulse sucks. Great. There's a way to get better at that. You know what? my technique is pretty bad through the middle. There's a way to get better at that. The problem is, Those things you need to do to get better at, technique work, drill work with low rings, strict pull-ups, negatives from the top of the rings down, all of those things are not fun to do because it's just mind-numbing, monotonous drilling and technique and patience and a lot of people these days don't have it. And they just want it. And they figured, well, if I just get better at everything else, I'll just naturally... It's like sleeping on your, your math book thinking you're going to retain all the information overnight. You just got to put in the work. And as we said for the toes bar, it could be drills, it could be strength, it could be... And more often than not is technique. But it could be nutrition. Like People forget that. It's like, oh, I get to the rings every year and I still can't do them. I was like, yes, but like... You know, for me, it's like I'm about 20 pounds heavier than I normally compete at. That makes ring muscle-ups exceptionally difficult.
1: Do like think about what you're nat- Yeah,
0: yeah, put on a weight <laughs> vest and then that's exactly what it is, right? Put on a weight vest and do ring muscle-ups and tell me how good you've gotten. It's the same thing here. It could be any of those or all of the above. And if, guess what? If you're like, hey, well, I've already lost 40 pounds this year, great. Congratulations! Now we know that if we want to get here or there, we've got room to go. But the fact that you couldn't do this doesn't make it a bad test. This test by itself is one of the best. It has everything in here. Would you agree? It has it has a little bit of everything that anyone can. I mean, we we spent 30, twenty minutes talking about the lessons we can learn from this one test.
1: You know, what's funny is when that first came out, we did our last show. I was, you know, Bill, your thoughts. And I'm like, pissed. Right? Yeah. Because it's a a repeat. And granted, you know, it was a repeat from a long time ago. But. Take repeat out of it. If you take that out. of, Well, if I look at it across the board of what we had for the entire open. I love what this showed. Mm, Because it did. It was a great qualifier. Putting the right people where they needed to go. It did that job there. It had a lot of really accessible things for people to do. Check that box there. And it allowed for everyone to test themselves at different parts. For the elites, they're testing their their capacity. I mean, these movements aren't hard for them. They're gonna be able to do sets of muscle ups in like, you know, two, maybe three sets. If they're feeling weak that day, they're gonna do three sets and then get back to the rower. But everyone else, they get to test themselves every single way. So uh, when you look at the totality of the, and we'll go through the other events as well. Mm-hmm. But this one, this is the event of the open.
0: Uh, hands down. Th- like, this it, touched it, it, all it er- the bases. It
1: showed everything that we do by definition of what we talk about. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it's not a heavy weight in here for most. For some, it was. Um, especially, uh, like, I, and again, like I really push people to go towards the RX rather than the scaled. For this reason, for the test, because it maybe it is heavy for them. It we are testing them; they're they're learning their limits. Um, but you know, the the classic version of CrossFit, I and mean, this was it. Mm-hmm. It was it. This is it. So I got a great it's question. A, it's, a, it's a good
0: one. A great question from Katie here. Why do a lot of gyms shy away from programming ring muscle ups when we know historically? they show up in the open. Now, before Oops. before we answer, I just want to say is don't program for the open only. Oh, yeah. Right? right. Like your daily training should be constantly varied, functional movements, executed at high intensity, but you shouldn't shy away from. And what we see sometimes is people won't program Olympic lifts because they're Highly technical, tough to coach, even tougher to do for novice athletes. They won't program high skilled gymnastics because they're tough to do, tough to coach, and like all of these things. That being said, it's in the level one, right? You got to teach these things, whether it's from PVC pipe to empty barbell to a max weight or push ups off the floor, push ups inverted on a box or push ups off off a wall inverted in, in that position. You shouldn't shy away from the hard things because guess what? Just because maybe 1% of your gym can do a ring muscle-up does not mean you should never program that because there are scales and modifications like you learn in the level one that low rings can teach you and train and adapt you to that are just as important as doing them on the high rings for someone who's proficient in them.
1: In the level one programming lecture, what is one of the first things that they say you program for the best you scale for the rest, if you're programming for the best, not the best in your gym, mm-hmm. like we aren't programming to your clientele, because if you, if you program your to quote, the, fire breather. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, if you program to the masses, then you never have the carrot out there for people to push to get better. And that's when you end up getting the dumb programs that are RX plus plus,
0: I don't want like, plus, plus. Plus.
1: What the hell are you talking about? Um, so I think that there, there should be no movement that is off limits because you can always sk- – because you're going to have someone that can do it. Just like you said, Chase, if there's 1% of your people that can do it, that should be there. And then what everybody else does that day is they are working on some sort of modification to that movement. Then, if somebody wants to understand the reasons why, then the coach or the programmer of that gym should know why they are putting that in there. Mm -hmm. What is the importance of me trying to know a ring muscle up? Well, I'm older. I'm just going to throw my shoulders out. Or
0: like, I'll never do one. Why practice the technique to get one?
1: Right. (laughs) When we, as CrossFitters, program and train for general physical preparedness, and I will tell you right now, if there's any time you need to climb up over a fence, you need to climb up over a wall. Mm-hmm. You're a firefighter. You fall through the roof and you're hanging from a rafter. How are you going to get up by a strict pull-up or by a lat pull-down? No, you're going to move your body in a way to get up and over that object, which is the exact same thing. Getting out of a pool. What do you think you're doing? You're doing a muscle up. Exactly. Like shit. You getting, fall into getting a, out hole. Out of a hole. How yeah. are you going to get out? <laughs> you're doing a muscle up. <laughs> so. The the other thing, too,
0: that was a great question, Katie. Thank you for that. The other thing, too, is this goes directly to why we're doing these trophy case challenges. Why put out a press to a handstand, which you should emphasize from a straddle position, into a hundred foot unbroken handstand walk? Oh, I will never be able to do that in a year, maybe 10. That's not the point, the whole point is this concept of we fail at the margins of our experience. And what that means is if you never do it, you'll never be able to. If you never practice it or try it, you'll never get better at it. You have to suck at everything you do before you get better at it. And what we're trying to say is the stimulus and the adaptation you're going to find from practicing getting to the rings from low ring transfers to false grip hangs to strict pull-ups to negative dip positions to ring supports at the top of a dip to ring supports at the bottom of the dip. All of these stimuluses that you're going to put yourself through while, say, modifying for a ring muscle-up that someone else can do, the adaptation you are going to get from that is going to benefit so many more physical attributes than just the ring muscle-up you may never get. That's the point.
1: You remember? You remember when they were doing? Uh, so back in the Olympics, they were showing all, and they always show us with swimmers, which I thought was really interesting. They show them doing their training outside of the season or outside of the water, mm-hmm. and they'd have all the high-level swimmers. They're like flipping, t- like old-school crosses up. They're flipping tires. Yeah, they're doing like sledgehammers
0: um, and sledgehammer chain stuff, dips like all that kind of and- <laughs> stuff.
1: Where, wherever are you going to see a swimmer flipping a tire? Never hmm. But but because of the black, the way the black box theory works with CrossFit, especially is if you build a better athlete that can be more athletic and do more of the things, they're going to be better at every single thing that they do. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing here. Just because you can't do it or don't see yourself necessarily do it doesn't mean that you shouldn't work to do it. There should be nothing as a CrossFitter. This is one of the this is one of the this is one of the hooks that got me into CrossFit was. I wanted to be able to do anything. Not, I mean, yeah. I like to compete. I like to win at everything I, yeah. I do. But um, I want to be able to go and do anything. Oh, we're going to go paddle today? Cool. Oh, we're going to go on some hike? Awesome. Oh, you want to do a long distance run? Okay, cool. That sucks. But I'll, okay, fine. I'll do it. Oh, we're going to lift something heavy? Fine. Oh, I got to bust this wall down? Cool. Like, I can check the box and be know that I'll be okay at almost everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what all of these things do. It's the best part. Test and it checked all of those boxes of things that you need for your body to be able to do a shit ton of stuff. So don't be afraid of it. Get out there, suck at it, get better at it. And you're gonna, it's gonna make you more fit. It's gonna make you. uh, It's gonna open up doors to more fun things you now get to do, or that you won't be afraid of happening to you.
0: And I like what you said, afraid because people are so afraid to fail because maybe they've been brought up in a system where they've never been in a safe place to fail. You are in no safer place to fail than inside your affiliate.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. No one has gives failed gives a
0: shit. In fact, your failures will get celebrated more in a CrossFit gym than probably your successes of your peers outside of the CrossFit gym. And that's where you learn the best lessons. And when you learn it in the gym, that's because you forced yourself to be in that position, which is tough to do inside the gym when you have so many options and outs and scales and modifications. When it comes to the open, it's a forced mirror right in front of your fitness self. And you learn the hard lesson in a very abrupt kind of way. And that's tough for people. I empathize for those that are uncomfortable with that and may be embarrassed by that. But I'm telling you right now, You have nothing to be embarrassed about trying. Nothing. Because there are hundreds and thousands of other people that decided that they didn't want to do that. And that's their personal choice, and I'm not going to be negative on that. I'm just saying you took the step forward to put yourself in that position. You have nothing to be embarrassed about. You have nothing to be ashamed about. And you have everything to gain from the lessons you learned. And I hope you take those lessons into the next year, and I'm so excited to see what people do if they force themselves to do these little things so they don't have to go through this again
1: well and i hope the coaches realize that like you need to you need to give a uh, an environment of knowing that it's okay to do that like i one of the things p- people say negative talk about crossfit is like oh, you just want to go super fast you just want to go super heavy you don't you know care about um form and all that kind of stuff mm. i don't push people to go super heavy but if I see someone that's like hanging on the light side, and we we have this with a lot of our ladies a lot of the times, I'll, I'll come up and I'll tell them, your form is impeccable right now. Mm. I'm just telling you that you will be completely safe to go heavier because the way you're moving is exactly how I want you to move.
0: And if they don't, if what are you going to do?
1: If there was the other way, I'd be like, whoa, 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 let's bring the weight off because we need to reel in your form. But I tell people like, hey, if you want to go, I mean, I'm just telling you, you can go heavier if you want. 'Cause a lot, you know, there are some people that like they're very shy. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want, you know, something bad to happen. I get it. Um, but they also don't know if if they're able to be in that position, you know. So we, we want you gotta make it a safe environment for them to fail. And the thing is, every single person at Across the Gym all had that exact same conversation before they even came to the gym. They all knew it was like, shit, we're all these no one wears shirts, and everyone's all fit. <laughs> the CrossFit gym is waves. the most
0: intimidating place on earth. Let's be real. Yeah.
1: yeah. Visually. So. Visually. Don't be afraid. So come on in. Yeah. Do your stuff. Come Go work. In. Go fail it. It's all right.
0: So 23.1 as far as it giving everybody a little something to come home with. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. All right. So let's look at 23.2A and 23.2B. So when we look at 23.2A... AMRAP in 15 minutes, five burpee pull-ups. Pull-up bar is feet together, arms outstretched, thumbs touching. The bar must be out of your reach. So it adjusts to the height of the athlete and based off their anthropometrics, it makes it quote-unquote fair. And that's planting the seed for something later. And then 10 shuttle runs (laughs) down and back equals one rep. After each round, you add five burpee pull-ups. The shuttle runs stay the same. Now, why could you suck at this event? Well, this is a basically a cardiovascular endurance stamina test. Some coordination in there, obviously, the jump to the bar, like there's there, There's that, right? Um, the agility of getting in and out of the shuttle runs, if we just go down the list of things that are getting tested here, is the, the big thing here is that some people just don't have a pull-up. I mean, that's the reality of it, right? It's like, yeah, hey, I don't yeah. have a pull-up yet. Okay, well, then you're probably going to get dead stopped at rep one, unless you want to spend 15 minutes getting your first pull-up, whether that's trying to jump and pull, using your momentum to gain up, which is one, or, you know, like the the old old-school ring muscle-up, remember that, where it's like, go to not pull to 90 degrees, and then go back in kip again, holding yep. that bent elbow position to get my chin over the bar, or it's a full kip swing to get your chin over the bar. It's like, that's part one. If you couldn't do your pull-up, There's a reason why you couldn't do this. So what are you going to do for the next 365 days to get yourself better at this test that stopped you dead in your tracks?
1: Um, I think right off the gate, I'd be looking at jumping pull ups and you can regulate the the height of your jump if you Mm. need to. Um, to get to where you're doing, you know, a jumping pull up from the ground where your fingers are just at the bar or just under the bar. So it's real similar to this. So you do your burpee if you even need to do your burpee and then you do the, the, the pull up. This wasn't for, for some, and we had a couple of people in, in our gym that they got their very first pull up because they would jump to the bar mm-hmm. and then kip up into their, nice into their first pull up. Yeah. And I took it as that. I mean, if they would have jumped up and ha- and continued their pull-up, I wouldn't have said it was their first pull-up because uh-huh. it wasn't from a dead hang. But um, but you can use that to your advantage. And that if this was something that was stopping you, then that's something that you need to contend with is, yeah. what do you do on the burpee and what do you do on the pull-up? And do you have the ability to pull-up? So that's mm-hmm. what I would do, spend
0: time with the pull-up for sure. And, and when it comes to the pull-up, we were talking about this earlier with the ring muscle-up, is that there's multiple ways to attack the pull-up. There's lots of way to scale as a pull-up. There's ring rows. There's e- any version of that, right? Elevated, things like that. There's jumping pull-ups, as you said. There is band work. I don't know what camp you're in with bands. I usually keep it strict uh, versus the kip. The kip, for me, tends to open up the door as uh, it becomes their cross it binky, and they yeah. won't get rid of it, so I keep it to strict. Um, there's kip swings only. There's kip swings into a half pull like you want to work two sides of it because the kipping pull up is a marriage between skill technique and strength skill technique being the kip swing where you're trying to basically like gain momentum to help with the kip to help with the pull and then there's the actual physical strength that you have to pull and I think when you scale the pull up as you said earlier too many people pick one scale and then just like die there Oh, I always do ring rolls. I was like, you got to hang from the pull-up bar,
1: right? Right. And what
0: you want to see is maybe in your training is you have a scale which develops the technique. So that's hanging from the pull-up bar, kip swings only. And then you have a scale that increases your strength of the pull. And both of those need to happen in conjunction with each other to get that first pull-up. So if you couldn't get the pull-up, there's multitude of different ways. You can, every time pull-up comes up in a workout in the week, Rarely should I think you do the same scale.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: And if you're not sure, guess who you ask? <laughs> if you're not sure how to scale, if you if you want to get your first pull up, who do you think you should go to? Hopefully it's your coach. And if your fir- and if your first reaction to hearing this is I don't know, maybe that's telling you something. Or maybe you never thought that you could do that. You can do that. All of you should be able to turn the podcast off. Please don't. Keep listening. But walk <laughs> into the gym and go to your coach, your owner, your friend, or your, your individualized programming, whatever, and be like, I never want to feel like this again in the open. I want to get a pull-up. And there should be able to sit you down and map out a 12-month progression of cycles and training and other things to get you your first pull-up. Or go to a gymnastic uh, seminar, a specialty seminar course. Or, you know, find someone in your gym that is the best one and can teach, like, just, you, you gotta ask. Their job is to help you progress. And if you show interest and you are dedicated to it, it's a really fun feeling. I mean, there's there's not much I love more than working individually with athletes to get a certain skill. Oh,
1: totally, totally. And for those of you guys that are in the chat that are coaches, you should have at your ready any movement that is going on that day, like if we're talking pull-ups right here, you should have at the ready five scales of modifications that you could just pat, 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 pat. At the ready. Not like, oh, shit, let me think. Uh, well, maybe you could do... No, they should, you should be ready to go. So like as the coach, and this is, I mean, to your point, Chase, you know, talking about like these guys should go to the coach and ask as a coach, this is what I want to be ready for. Cause if I can't give that, if I can't instantly give you five ideas, then I don't know what the hell I'm talking about as a coach. And that's that I, I don't ever want that to happen ever. I mean, in fact, and those of you guys that are programmers and here, you know, me, you being programmers, when I'm designing the workout for the day, I'm thinking, OK, well, if they're if they can't do this movement, what's the other thing that they could be doing that they should be doing about this many reps or they should be this would be the other kind of idea? Because I don't want this modification to uh, you know affect incorrectly affect this other movements that I have in the workout. Mm-hmm. So you should be thinking about those things all the time. We're never thinking. And this is one of the problems I have with some of the open stuff was I felt like it was just the blop There it is. Yeah. Not thinking anywhere past that. So, yeah. Yeah. um, as a coach, you guys should have a lot of ideas as an athlete, get a lot of ideas. And as a programmer, know all of the ideas that you can use, um, in the workout, if it's a workout or what all the things you'll accept if it's a, if it's a competition.
0: Yeah. Uh, David shoot has this question. I decided to scale 22 or 23.2 a and regret it a bit. Any thoughts on when someone should scale and have a harder engine test versus hitting a wall earlier due to a skilled movement in rx Now I'm not I'm wh- not going to be very nice about it So I'll, I'll let, let's put two <laughs> let's put two camps Camp 1 would be in the gym What like is what is the deficiency for you Is it the pull up is it the engine right so, Bill, your answer for this comes to your daily workout of how to get this person's engine and pull-ups better. What's your answer? Daily to workout. That? If yeah.
1: if twenty-three A and B was the it was the workout our general workout of the day, then I would have a, a specific. Uh, stimulus that I'm looking for that day. And so we would modify to where they could do a particular movement or something similar to that as much as they could, or if they were building on getting a particular movement, then we would get them whatever scale to get them to do that. That's what we do in the regular day, because in the, our daily training is to improve our level of fitness. And that's our 10 general physical traits and all of the things that we talk about, you when know, we're talking CrossFit, but if we come to the open, I won't fault anyone for going scale, but I will always push people to go Rx strictly because it's a test. Because what if they think, well, I'm not getting anything out of it, you can always do the scaled one afterwards. But I would say take the test on test day. Do the homework and the classwork on the regular day. So that's how I would do it. Scale during the regular day. Take the test on test day.
0: I like it. And I totally agree. Test day. Where everyone got confused is, and this goes back to the coaches and what you should be projecting and teaching your athletes this is a test. This is a test. It doesn't mean everyone may get to play because you're going to find out where you stand in the fitness pecking order. <coughs> and what's wild to think is some people that like maybe never RX to work out in their life get upset that they can't a test in the open. Yeah. Like, unless you have done the workout of the day prescribed every day, there shouldn't really be any complaining that you can't do this test here. And if you can do that prescribed every day in your affiliate, and you can't do any of these tests as prescribed at all, maybe you should go back and look at the programming that you're getting inside of your affiliate. That bar might be a little too low for the general populace. Um, okay. As far as, say, work capacity, a lot of range of motion, burpee to a pull-up, I mean, you can't really get more range of motion than that with just your body weight. It's about, about as max. Like, burpee is the, the most, and then burpee pull-up is the, the beyond that, <laughs> right? right? And then maybe right. you got a burpee bar muscle-up, which don't be surprised if it doesn't happen. The, uh, the one thing that I think got missed here was the shuttle runs became now I don't want to say irrelevant because if you were just trying to win this event they're not irrelevant like if you're trying to win this like first score in the world like you just have no choice you have to go hard the whole time if you're trying to get the best score you have in your body it's completely different right I mean that's where the whole whole walking thing came into play (laughs)
1: i think it's a i'm gonna say it's insignificant and here's why because i have a girl in my gym who's a great athlete she can do burp she's the best burpeeer i've ever seen she walked seven laps ran three and she got 17th in the world whoa walked seven ran three
0: so is it run walk or walk run like how'd she do it
1: uh, she walked cause she did the burpees super fast and oh, then walked seven, okay. ran her last three into the burpees and they just went, went ballistic on the burpees. Yeah. So, I mean the, it, it was, I mean the people that got the best scores, I mean like they beat her for sure, but it's like you're 17th, <laughs> 17th in, the, in world. the world
0: with walking. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean yeah. So, this was a, this was an incomplete test because it's one of those things where you hand the world a a test and then they do what they want with it and poke holes in like, you can only do so much with the people you test this with. Maybe every person they tested with it didn't think to walk. They just like, Uh, I'll try to right. I'll just try to run harder. And this is where understanding of what, like you said this, when we did the recap of this is understanding what, someone is going to do to this test and I think that was missed here and the concept of you have
1: to look at the parts you're really good at this is like okay if I'm going to have three different movements how long do I want those pieces to be on each of that like it should be there should be a plan of that even if you have like some movements are faster okay well this block of these two movements should be about the same as this one here uh, this one movement and this one didn't work that way
0: yeah I think this this became a flawed test because of that. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's just that simple. Okay. So, so lessons learned, pull-up version. That's really the best thing we could put out there for something someone needs to work on to get better at this test, just to be able to complete it, right? We look at the thruster. Or don't be. Go ahead.
1: Hold on. I was going to say, or don't be a pussy when it comes to having burpees in your programming. Ooh, Everyone that's sees a good burpees one. Burpees that they have to do that, and it's like they think they're too good okay, for it. Okay, I'm a down back. I step up. I come up. I breathe. I jump. I do whatever. No, the people that did really well here, like, and if you walked, then it came down to your capacity on the burpee. You had to be able to push the burpees hard. If you're not able to push burpees hard, that means that in your daily training, whenever burpees come up, you need to throttle. And learn how to go fast and embrace that pain. You have to know how to do that. If you don't train that, you're not going to be able to do it when you need to. And that's all this first part was.
0: Trish, aside from your normal wild commentary, you actually make a great point. She says, I have used this (laughs) analogy. It's like figuring out that you can hack your grace score by going fast singles. And that is totally true. Yep. Yep. All right uh reasons why you sucked at 23.2 b it's as simple as well not as simple as i take that back top right now strength and power that's what we're testing yep. along with that we are actually having a massive emphasis on mobility and timing sequencing coordination because there there is a timing element of coming out of the drive phase into the press phase taking the step out of it obviously. Of having a strong thruster. Obviously, there's upper body pressing and uh, strength when it comes to this in a massive way, leg strength in a massive way, core stability in a massive way, flexibilities in the hips, hamstrings, and ankles in a massive way, shoulders, lats, forearms. There's a huge mobility. Like if you have bad technique, like you're gonna have a trash thruster. You can fake you light bad ones mobility, all day. You're gonna yeah. have a shitty
1: thruster, right? Like, imagine what your front rack is gonna look like. Exactly. All the people that are like, "My wrists always hurt."
0: The the front rack thruster, where you have the one finger on the bar, and then as it comes <laughs> to the shoulder, you pop it and try to grab it in the air and press it out. Yeah, we all see exactly, that. That one. Yeah, we yeah, all that seen one. that. The thruster where the bar actually never touches your shoulders, right? All things, like one, get to the squat rack. you got to improve your leg strength, stability. you got to improve your core strength, and that may be the same issue that you have with toes-to-bar. So you work your core, both posterior and interior. Right, Get on a GHD. You better do as many facing up as you do facing down. I'm talking about hip extensions, back extensions, GHD sit-ups. Holds, hangs, stabilization, upper mobility. If you cannot get a full grip on that bar with a comfortable elbow-high rack position, you're not going to have a good thruster. You're not, right? And so what exposed us here as individual athletes is just the ability to lift more weight. We just need to get stronger. I mean, this is, it's not simple, but like you might have the most to give someone to work on here. I mean, we're talking about a lot of different facets. We're talking about leg strength, overhead strength, overhead stability, mobility, core strength, like everything. So much involved when it comes to this.
1: Yeah, anytime you're doing any uh, one rep max heavyweight stuff, you need your body to be able to to set and be in uh, the most mobile position so that you can be in the most correct position, so you can be the most efficient to utilize the power that you're using. Just because you're big and strong, but you have shit positioning, you're gonna have people that are not as big and not as strong lifting more than you solely because of their positioning.
0: Yep, 100%. So. And so Stefan put this in, in here. the gap between A and B was large for me. Yes. And that is where I see why a test like this is put in the open is to expose that of both. Because how many times do we see that? If, if we just break it down to classic CrossFit training methodology, right? The myth that the marathon person we've put on the, the sliding scale and the, the power lifter, strong man, and then the prototypical crosser in the middle. We should be able to move large loads, long distances quickly. We should both have endurance and strength at the same time, as well as high-skill gymnastics and power and speed. We get that. And the point of putting these two together is to showcase or expose where you fall on those. As a lesson, the problem that we have is that on the leaderboard, it's a little different. Right. right? We're, we're more, we have an issue with how this thing is scored. Not necessarily how this thing is programmed. Because John said is like there are compl- like a lot of different people in A just as there are a lot of different people in B. It was a great point, right? Both take time to get good at. One is a monostructural, gymnastic element, and it's really a two-parter because it's a burpee and a pull-up and a run. Right? And then you have the heavy thruster. And if you have a widespread, if you're top in A, and bottom 10% in B, that's a lesson learned. And vice versa, that's a lesson learned. And we want to be able to bridge that gap to get closer in between. It's a great lesson to learn. Scoring system on an open leaderboard, much different topic, much different story.
1: Totally. And and I think that... we can complain about the programming and there will be other programs out there and videos out there and, and, and in our space. And I mean, we're on the, a lot of these threads even of talking about how there was certain elements of the programming that were jacked up this this year. That being said, when you're an athlete, don't care about that shit. Like, right. do your job of competing. If they say, here's the start, there's the finish, then line up on the start and run to the finish. Whatever that might be for you. And if you don't do it very well, figure out why you didn't do it very well. Not because so-and-so decided to walk or the bar was a certain way and it couldn't do it. It's like, okay, again, it's a test. Unless you were trying to qualify to the games, don't get all wrapped up in all of the talk about all of the, the extra extra extraneous stuff. Yeah. What didn't you do good in? What kicked your ass? You weren't strong enough? Okay, fine. You know how to do that. You went too slow on the burpees? Okay, fine. You, you 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 need you can work on that. You didn't have the capacity with the burpees and you ran? Okay, that tells me you need to do more in the gym where you're pushing the limits of your capacity. Don't get so hung up on the well, my score is bad because it was a bad program test. We'll we'll complain about that shit when we talk (laughs) about programming stuff. But that's a different show. As an athlete, the reason you didn't do bad because of the test, you did bad because you were missing some pieces.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you have to learn what those pieces are and then move from that. So then if you do want to get to a point where you want to be able to qualify or whatever, then it's like, okay, now I have my ducks in a row. Now I'm not afraid if toes to bar come up or burpee pull-ups or they are going to be shuttle runs in there or whatever. I know that I'm going to be able to give put my best foot forward. And even if the test is a bad test, I'm still going to be able to compete. Yes. And that's what you want as, as the athlete part.
0: Right. And so what we're trying to look at is talk about the test itself. A max thruster, a 15-minute, you know, work capacity, burner, churner deal. That's what we're talking to at the moment. Not... How a competition is run or scored. Completely otherworldly topics at the moment. Right. Right? All right. Um, and last on the thruster is, you know, we talked about all the different ways you can work on a pull-up. There's so many things that you can work on to improve thruster. You can improve your positioning, your numbers will go up. You can improve your leg strength, your numbers will go up. You can improve your upper body strength, your numbers will go up. You can improve your core stability strength, your number will go up. And imagine working on all four of those things slowly over the course of a year. Your numbers will go up. But the key word is work on. Sitting in the quarter five minutes after class, getting a red green band and flossing your ankle joints so that you can get better upright positioning (laughs) is boring and sucks and sometimes hurts. That's no fun. Getting a lacrosse ball and digging into your pec minor with your arm behind your back and you're just like blowing up the front part of your delts, shoulders and biceps tendon is not fun. But that rack position feels a whole lot better. Digging in your lats with a roller is probably one of the worst feelings in the world and is not fun, but it will make you better. It takes time. Like, you don't put a 375-pound thruster over your head and not have spent a lifetime working on something like that as an example. So it's not just going to happen just because you showed up to the class three to five times a week. If you want to get better. You will get better, but you can't skip the things that you're bad at, period. Yep. All right, last one. Taking a peek over at 23.3, which... <clears throat> this, is the, this is the fun teaching lesson that I uh, really was kind of the, I don't know, the catalyst to doing this t- podcast and naming it what it was, was all the people out there raging and complaining about getting capped in six minutes and saying this was a bad workout or I scaled this because I needed a 12 minute workout or how can I get anything out of this in six minutes? First of all, you don't need a 12 minute workout. You wanted a 12 minute workout because you didn't want to do what it takes to do a six minute workout. The ones that are the worst are the ones that are sub five minutes.
1: Oh my God, yeah. Why is Fran such a bad workout? Why does everybody talk about
0: it? Does no one, well, I I can't say this now because we're so far removed from it, but let me take you back to the day. In 11.3, 11.3 was a five-minute test. Five minutes, not six minutes, five minutes. And it was clean and jerks, squat, clean and jerks at 165 and 115. Also, there were no scaled divisions back then. There were no foundation divisions back then. If you felt like it was, hey, rx or fuck off, that was the 2011 Cross <laughs> It Open. And it was as many rounds and reps as possible, or I say reps, as a squat right. clean, which was one point, and the jerk overhead, which was the other point. And that's all it was. And all you could do is sit there and set yourself on fire for five minutes. And some people got a bad workout because the weight was too heavy and they could only manage a couple reps. And some people died in the fires of clusters at 165 and 115 because it was a hellish workout. One, nobody wanted to repeat. But this is a test. And the problem is not with the people that were bitching and moaning and saying this is a bad workout or I didn't get anything out of it. It's that your coach didn't teach you the importance and the value of something like this. they are supposed to learn from the test. Regardless of what was programmed, it's the concept that less is not good enough. That's the problem I have. Major problem I have.
1: I, I don't I don't understand at all why anyone was complaining about the six minute part when if you look at the other events how are, are we not at a point yet where people are thinking I uh, people talk programming and well-roundedness quite a bit not, and I'm not talking just like the nerds like us I'm talking generally speaking how could people not think that there would be a sprint
0: right right
1: like and, and if in and those people that worked, You know, whatever, it's like six minutes. Okay, the best in the world got 750, eight minutes.
0: Which is wild. But so they
1: didn't didn't get a good workout. They got a fucking great workout. Mm -hmm. They got what you got. You just couldn't go as far as they did, but everyone was working for about the same amount of time. So shut the heck up.
0: And it's not even about your workout. It's a test.
1: And those that got like hung up in the nine-minute mark, guess what? You weren't working for nine minutes. Right. I was I was in the nine minute mark too and there was a lot of standing there on the handstand push-up. So shut the hell up.
0: And then people complain. He's like, Well, I'm not even tired because what kind of workout is this? He's like, it's not a workout. <laughs> it's a test. It's not a workout. You're, you're not tired because
1: you don't have the capacity to take the test appropriately. Yes. <laughs> like so that's why you're standing there not tired.
0: Like, what do you think is a a more A a better workout, a 5K jog, or a one-mile time trial. What what are most people going to go for? Not I'll do the mile slowly, like mile time trial. That is awful. I'll even make it better. I'll do an 800. Yeah. There you go. Let's see you not do that. And so when it comes to the beginning part, lessons being learned, one- Take your ego out of it. Take it out. Oh, I wall walks again. Fuck these things. I'm like, why haven't you been working on these? They've been in the open since 21. They got put in the games. They came back last year. If you didn't think they were going to be in here, like it's a gamble, but there's nothing... Or no reason not to throw these in to get better at them. Like, if you got hung up here and you're new, so be it. Welcome. Work on them. If you got here because you hate them and you never work on them when they're programmed because you think they're stupid, that's your fault. They're not fun. These things are hard to do. Of course, everybody wants to work on handstand and walks. Why? Because you kick up for two seconds, you come down, and then you look at the tape for another five minutes and hope you can do it again. It's not hard It's sexy when you get them. Wall walks are hard to do. And the stimulus and the adaptation you get by training them are more than just doing wall walks. Shoulder stamina, fatigue. I mean, nobody talks about the core. That's the worst part for me. It's not my shoulders.
1: the, the, The last year and the year before that where we had the higher volume of it, where were you sore the next day? My rib cage
0: oh yeah my mid back from having to push my mid back because i kept folding <laughs> like my core was <laughs> gone so i'm just like pinching in my mid back
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of pieces to that and what i think is really i like we actually i was really impressed with our people this year just at our gym that they were really excited to do them and we had people that were like i mean some people it took to do one rep like they're taking 15 little hand steps to go all the way back to the wall. That's a lot of time That's on their brutal. hands and on their shoulders. And that is brutal. You're right. It's brutal. But its I think it's cool. That's the use part of, of CrossFit. I mean, yeah, they're hard. Yes. But like I would rather do those than a bunch of burpees because <laughs> they're yeah. a lot slower. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So learning lesson. Wall walks. Got to practice them. Gotta you got to work them. on your core stability. You got to work on your shoulder stamina. You got to work on your body positioning. There's a technique to do this. Getting up and getting down quickly and effort, effortlessly.
1: Dude, Look. just do static handstand holds against the wall for time.
0: Yes. There's Spend one. Spend time up there. And think of all the benefits that's going to do for other things that you do. I don't know. We just talked about thrusters. That could probably yep. help pressing, yep. shoulder stamina, wall ball shots. <laughs> like all these things that involve shoulder, salmon, and fatigue. Double unders. Oh, I've had double unders and I couldn't, like that That limited my, like it took up all my time. How often do you practice them? Me? Not, not do them in your group class and I'm talking to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I tell people, double unders is like throwing darts. It is a skill. You will never get better at them unless you practice them. Not every time it's programmed in your group class. I can do all the Track intervals, back squat routines, swimming, Fran every day. And if I never practice double-unders, I will never get good at double-unders. For the same reason, if I never throw a dart at a dartboard, I cannot improve that. It's a perishable skill and requires constant maintenance. And you can't just say, well, I'll do it every time my affiliate programs it. Will you? Because how often does that come up? Maybe once a month? And what if you miss that? Now it's two months gone? Or... You take the accountability and responsibility to take two or three minutes out of your one day a week and just work on them. That's the only way you're going to get better. And that's maddening for people. They want like, uh, oh, if I buy this rope, maybe it'll be better.
1: Oh, geez, oh man, the speed rope, like the speed rope fix. I
0: love the speed rope, but it just made my good double unders great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you had them.
0: If you you had had them, them. I had and it takes them time. Janelle said it right here. I worked on double unders for about two years before I really got them. It took me any, any, six anybody, years to get good at them. Because I, I anybody did them in that's
1: not good at them or doesn't have them or is really wanting to compete or is really wanting to see what they can do with their body and their competitive fitness and all that, if they don't have double unders, I challenge you to do three minutes a day.
0: No like more. That is,
1: that is nothing. Yeah. No three more. Three minutes a day.
0: Three minutes.
1: That's 21 minutes of jumping rope each week. Where the where the hell else are you gonna get that?
0: Yeah. Simple. I mean, Yeah. It doesn't take like I saw people it's like oh I'm gonna try to do 100 every day. I'm like no, no no no. Yeah, two three minutes. Maybe get to a number. And eventually you get good. And then I would say, don't do three minutes a day because then you're doing like two to 300. <laughs>
1: right. And it's right. great.
0: Right. But a major goal here is that 50 double unders unbroken. I remember my first 50. And once I got 50, the next number was what? 100. Yep. Right. That's just the way it goes. All right. So that's just one thing. Snatches. Now, the thing about the snatches in this test is that. You have to have, and and Boz actually said this as well, and this is actually what he wanted to test, your technique dialed in because of all the redundancy and the shoulder fatigue and the interference that comes with wall walks, double unders, handstand pushes. if you got them. You can't fake this lift with bad technique when your shoulders are shot. You have to have good technique. If you don't have good technique, You can't be strong with the snatch. Not even strong. You can't lift more weight with that because I'm not Not, strong. Yeah, I'm not a strong athlete, but I have a decent um, lift when it comes to the snatch because I have good technique. Now, a mix and match of the both will be great, but you can have good technique and put up decent numbers. You cannot be strong and have bad technique and have decent numbers. It doesn't work that way when you're fresh, and it definitely doesn't work that way when you're tired. And so just going back to the basics, Bergner warm-up with the PVC pipe, working on shoulder stability exercises, hitting the uh, crossover symmetry, rolling out your lats, rolling out the front part of your pecs, get your shoulders in a better position. All of those things are needed. There's a reason why you sucked at this movement. And either you don't practice it enough under fatigue, your gym doesn't program it enough, if ever, because it's the same thing with like ring muscle-ups, because it's tough to do, it's tough to coach, and it's scary for new people. But it means for that very reason is the exact reason why you need to attack it head on. And don't be irresponsible. You have a whole year. Maybe do three months of, of programming where no matter what the weight is for the day, you're just using an empty bar or a light weight. Right? And some people got stopped in different ways. It was the weight on the snatch. If you had a bad thruster, you probably had a bad snatch, right? Because usually those weights are very similar, oddly enough, and I never knew why, and I don't know why, but like my max ruster and my max snatch are within five pounds of each other. Yeah, those weights are usually very complementary when it comes to tests. Um, Now I don't know how much with like more elite athletes and their strength, but it's still fairly close. A lot like uh, what power clean and a bench press; those are usually pretty close to each other. Okay, So, so weird. The same reasons where we talked about the clean in 23.1 are the same things we're going to talk about the snatch in 23.3. Things to work on, right? Uh, the last one is the strict handstand push-ups. Now, we will say this. This is a big jump. Five wall walks, 20 strict handstand push-ups. That's a massive jump. I would have liked to seen a progression here. In fact, I would have liked to seen it all the way through. Um, I thought it was going to be a type of handstand push-up progression on... I think I had dumbbell push presses, wall walks, kipping handstand push-ups strict. It's a big chunk, 20 <laughs> times yeah. two. I mean, that's a lot. And the standard was new. I think some of the hardship is constantly changing the standard. Now, I'm not going to give that as an excuse that people can't do them. Um, maybe I should take that. I'll separate that completely. But handstand push-ups, strict, right? Things you can do to work on them. What type of scales do you you like to use when it comes to this?
1: Um, well, again, you should have a lot of different modifications and scales at your disposal. So whether that is full range of motion, handstand push-ups, um, or decreased weight by having either your toes or knees on a box and going for full range. Uh, you can do any of the seated press stuff the problem mm. i see with a lot of people doing the seated press or z press is that they don't go heavy enough with the dumbbell yeah. to really get the strength work that they're trying to do for even a kipping even a kipping uh, handstand push-up um the other thing would be if you have a or a few handstand push up strict then do some sort of a capacity setups so whether you're doing every minute or every 90 seconds, you're doing a certain amount so that you are getting some volume at those reps. And then as you are able to build some of those, like once you're able to do, you know, two every minute on the minute, okay, then build to three or go four. And then can you do that in a 10 minute time frame? So over the course of 10 minutes, you're getting 20. Then over the course of 10 minutes, you're getting 30. Then over the course of 10 minutes, you're getting 40, to where you're building that capacity so that when you see a chunk, you know what you can get. I think what, what fouled up a lot of people on the strict handstand pushups was they can do handstand pushups, a lot of them when they're fresh, but they had no idea how to go from, okay, well, I can do 20 unbroken, or I now have to do singles. And they didn't know how to make that jump or how to, how to navigate that very well. I think mostly because they haven't spent enough time with figuring out all the different avenues and elements of what goes into that handstand pushup and how they should be training that. So if you have it, I love capacity work. If you don't have it, then I want you, I want to put you on your hands as much as possible, or get as much weight on your hands as you can handle. And then again, build capacity in that, whether it's on the box, whether it's Z press, um, even if it's a deficit depth, if you're like on, uh, plates, uh, on the box with with your toes on the box to Mm -hmm. work that. Mm-hmm. And spend a lot of time with it. You have to get, this is a strength move.
0: And it's, it's hard stre- I mean, to get better at just ask some oh, of our top athletes in the sport.
1: Yeah, totally. Like it, it's, it's no joke when you're looking at wh- one of the best women out there in Laura Horvath, knowing that hands, strict handstand pushups deficit mostly are very tough. We see her. We see her struggle with that. So, if you struggle with it, don't think that you're the only one that is struggling with it out there. It's not an easy movement, and yes, it's gymnastic, but come on, you're pushing body weight. It's a lot of weight. This is a strength move, hundred percent.
0: Now, the question came up for a lot of people: is why Boss didn't do kipping or progressive, like we had just talked about, and he had talked about it on his podcast. And Trish has had it up here: is that you know Boss's reason for that? is he said he didn't want to see people kipping off the wall, smashing their head into the ground at that fatigue level at that point in time. He felt it was more of a safety under fatigue thing, which I can get behind that. I would say the same thing would go for (laughs) snatches under fatigue. Like, the reasoning doesn't really translate
1: I don't know. Dude, right. I bounce. I bounced my head really hard on those strict handstand pushups. Yeah. To say like if the thing is on a strict. Where do you get your movement? You get your movement from the bounce. When I'm doing kipping, my head's resting on the ground. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know if I really agree with that. I. I mean, it for, is what well it is for the novice person.
0: Fine. I get it. It like if that's your reason, okay. It just doesn't have a, a
1: Yeah. A, a, I don't, I don't a get line
0: that. of consistency. Yeah, I don't get that people more. are going to bounce their head off the wall, off the ground just as much, if not more. More. I actually would say more on a strict handstand push-up. Hell yes. Like, usually when someone's getting tired, that's kind of a cue you give them.
1: Yeah, bounce, go. You can't, in Basketball fact. ball that head. You bounce your head.
0: <laughs> shit, I, I feel bad going. Like, you bounce your head harder doing strict than you do kipping.
1: 100%. Like. That, that statement doesn't really, I, yeah. I don't, I don't. Buy so. That one.
0: That was Boz's reasoning. I don't think that plays into the factor of what you ha- or how you actually do a kipping handstand push up. Like a kipping handstand push up, like you said, Bill, is where I rest my head with the weight in my hands and kip out of it. And if you say it's like, well, some people do it poorly technique wise, okay, well, then don't program fatigue snatches. Right. It's just as dangerous for someone doing fatigue snatches with their elbows and shoulders or dropping it on their head than it is doing a fatigue-kipping handstand push-up. So the, tri- the, the reasoning doesn't really translate, and arguably quite the opposite. If you're worried about people banging their heads into the ground, strict is actually what encourages that, because nobody does a handstand push-up strict, lowers their head to the ground, pauses gently, and presses out of that position. We actually all bang our heads into the ground over and over and over and over, which is for a kipping one, we do less of that. Yep. All right. Now, the concept is, and I agree with this, is work on strict strength before you do kipping movements. I agree, as you should. Get your body stronger, your muscles stronger, your ligaments and your tendons stronger and under, like, stress and adaptation before you start do kipping, especially in, like, pull-ups, Right. Pull-ups is an example of, well, you can't do strict, but you can fake a kip, right? People are in a rush to get a pull-up, so they do kipping, and that's where they start to hurt their shoulders maybe a little bit because their body isn't strong enough to withstand the kip. In this scenario, it's not quite the same thing. Nope. So um, the intention behind the standard. So <clears throat> I have heard, is it's as simple, well, I don't know exactly. Um, but it's a great question. Why 30 inches? Why 10 inches from the wall? The 10 inches from the wall seems like it's just so that the line for the wall walk is the same line you use for the handstand push-up. The uh, And this will be really the only programming thing we talk about, but <clears throat> we talked about inconsistency right? Just a second ago. Oh, we don't want people to hurt their necks, banging their head into the ground, so we'll do strict. Okay, well, that doesn't actually, that doesn't work, right? So don't program ring muscle-ups either. What do you think people are going to try to do? (laughs) Don't program snatches under fatigue, right? So that doesn't really make sense. Um, The 30 inches is a good question. I don't know. My concern is, when we talk about inconsistency is, and we've seen this for years. So this isn't a boss thing. This is just a handstand pushup thing, except for the years where we did those weird, like algorithm measurements. You made people stand and measure for pull-up bar height so that everyone at a different height got a fair shake at a pull-up bar within their reach. But you don't do that for handstand pushups. ups there's a level of inconsistency there that drives me actually crazy. It's like, okay, so if this bar is too high, right, so like say for the taller athlete, hey, this is an easier bar for me to jump to. It's a fixed height. And then the shorter athlete is gonna have to jump higher to get there. That's why we have wall ball shots. Box heights, ring standard heights, things like that. Now you can add risers and things like that. But you won't do it for a handstand push-up box or a handstand push-up line. And it's not time-consuming. A very simple measurement, just throwing it off the cuff, is measure a person's wingspan and then divide it by two. That's how long their line should be. Middle finger to middle finger. You're six feet tall, it's 72 inches, you're... Line is now 35, 36, or whatever, right? Or or pick a number, but do it by wingspan. We just measured your length to give you a different height pull-up bar, yet just because we go upside down, we're no longer going to take your height or anatomical makeup into account just because we're doing a handstand push-up? There's a problem there. And it needs to get fixed because it's inconsistent at best.
1: Well, there there was a handful of those in this open yeah. four events anyway. But I mean I, honestly, even I mean, even yeah. the pull-up, I, I didn't think <clears throat> all it said was the bar had to be over your hands. And there are a lot of people with a lot of bars that you can't that are bolted into the wall. Yeah, and,
0: go like a you know, and bars. All
1: that kind of stuff. So like there's anytime you're gonna make a measurement. You can't just say. Oh.
0: Well, okay, so here's the reason why I'm okay with the bar thing is because if you say, it said all bars have to be at 90 inches. Now you're forcing affiliates and garage gym owners to like change all of the bars in their gym or in the garage. My point is like, would I rather have that standard? Yes. Do we have that with rings, pull-up bars, at regionals, sanctionals, cross the games? Yes, we do. But you can't do it for that and not do it for the handstand pushup. So if no, you're gonna I, let I, everybody shape and size get their own personal bar, you should have everybody shape and size also get their own personal handstand pushup line. It's the same freaking thing. But we don't I do don't it.
1: Disagree. I just don't know why. I don't know why we've had, what is this, the fifth iteration now?
0: I think fifth or sixth.
1: Like, why is it so effing difficult to find a standard we've had 13 we've had 13 years of the open and we've had five or six different standards for the same movement
0: so to wrap <laughs> <laughs> i would that's say that's not on you
1: guys you guys don't suck on
0: that one yeah that's a, yeah well that's, that, a, that's a reason why you sucked because the handstand push-up line yeah. fucked you <laughs> See, it's all part. That, that, of, it's all part of the tile. Yeah. That's why you sucked you? in that's the handstand push-ups? Because you're six foot eight and you have a line made for someone <laughs> five foot two. Um, which is true. If you're five feet tall, that's sixty inches. Then that's half of your wingspan. Because usually the, your wingspan is about your height on average. Um, that's why I was going wingspan. It has to do with your height and your arm length. This comes back, and we've said this before every year, along with the rule book hopefully released in October like they did this year, should be a movement standard book of all movements used in, let's just say, online competition and make it easy. What a burpee is, what a thruster is, what a burpee pull-up is, what a handstand push-up is, what the standard's going to be, box jumps, wall balls, rope, everything. Everything. Everything that we do in online competition should have a standard given to us in October so that everybody knows what's coming. The unknown and unknowable bullshit is out the window when it comes to getting everybody on the same page and moving forward. I think it's best for everyone. It's better for the sport. It's better for the athletes. It's better for the coaches. It's better for the judges. And it's better for CrossFit games. CrossFit games. Just have a movement standard library of all movements that will be. I mean, you already give an equipment list.
1: If you have three hundred movements in there, which there will probably be all the different iterations of whatever, which fine. is fine. Whatever the, whatever the number is, then worried about the unknown and unknowable. It's three hundred movements. Whatever, it's a one hundred movements. You're still gonna, you're still gonna be able to check off the box of unknown and unknowable. But what it does is it puts everyone so they know exactly what they need to work on to be able, I mean, whatever, maybe it's a, I don't know, an inverted single leg dumb, whatever the thing is, but oh, it's yeah, in yeah. there. So they, they know that it's there. You know what I mean? They're not coming up with some trick or if there is a trick, they're going to put it in the book. So the book is updated with, uh, a, an announcement like, Hey, the book's been re updated. Hey, the hey. book's been re updated. Not to say, well, oh, we've added a new movement. This is what it is. But everybody has the book and everyone works out. Throughout I think it's a the great a, idea. A
0: constantly evolving, adding movement library at all times of the season. Yeah. What's that going to hurt? It's not. It's going to help. It's going to help so much. So much.
1: Yeah, it would. Yeah. And then they wouldn't suck. Then it would just be you guys sucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it would just be us. All right, I'm guys. Cool you guys are awesome.
0: Thank you for playing along with us in our edition of Why You Sucked in the 2023 Cross It Open. And hopefully, this is some good lessons learned. Hopefully, you got out of the open a lot of things to take back to the affiliate with you, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a coach. If not, ask the questions. At the end of the day, it's your responsibility to get what you need out of your training the coach can only do so much for you but if there's things you want if there are things you need to get better at that you know you can you also have to go to them also have to go to them scott this is not brian's idea this is our idea two years ago but thank you
1: Yep. yep yeah he stole our idea
0: yeah (laughs) let's get real for a second Go back to the podcast of professionalizing judging in the CrossFit Games. That was last year during the Open, of which we already said this. And by the way, CrossFit doesn't even have to make this. It's already made, which we already talked about. The IF3 have already done this. Just borrow it. Borrow it. All right, team. Thanks for joining us. Congratulations on completing the 2023 CrossFit Games Open. We hoped you learned a lot. We hoped we helped you learn some more. And Bill and I are proud that you guys took the challenge. If you bowed out this year or... You should have done RX when you went to scale. Hopefully, you guys gained some knowledge and things and take that into your training for the next season. The quarterfinals is going to start next week, so we are not shying away from anything that is coming down the pipeline. And I'm curious to see what the next challenge is going to be. Bill? Sir. Happy 2023 Open. I look forward to competing with you next year. <laughs> <laughs>